The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the number one podcast on the best division in the NBA. As always, you're joined by myself, Alex Fishbein, and this podcast, The Atlantic Files, is brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. So, let's jump into things here. Let's first go off the standings. Let's see. So, first we got Boston. 26 and 11. Second, we got Raptors at 25 and 13. Sixers at 25 and 15. Nets at 17 and 20. Knicks at 10 and 29. So, initial thoughts so far. You know, we're we're creeping closer and closer to All Star Weekend, about the halfway point of the season, and the division is still a very very good division. Don't get me wrong. However, it's not as strong as we thought it once was or could be um i mean we thought the nets would be a little bit better Kyrie just came back so welcome back to Kyrie after missing i think it was 25 or 26 games so now finally he is back um so maybe that picks up as we saw Kyrie was playing at an mvp type of level before he went out with the injury so we could see the nets start picking their 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 game up here but as I said, Boston, Toronto, Philly, obviously those three are, you know, at the top of the East. And then you have the Nets at 17 and 20. A little bit of a disappointment so far, but, you know, with injuries and everything, it's understandable with where they're at. So, let's see here. So, right off the bat, like, so we have Boston in the lead at 26 and 11. Raptors right behind them at 25 and 13. However... According to Bovada Sportsbook, the Celtics are now a pretty heavy favorite to win the Atlantic Division. They're at minus 110. And, I mean, like we've talked about before, they have been very surprising with how good they are. Um... And I don't mean that in a way that, you know, we thought they were going to be terrible. Um, They've just been a very, very good regular season team so far. And I say regular season team because at this very moment, I don't know if they are built to beat teams such as the Sixers, the Bucks, and, you know, like the the higher powers of the East in a seven-game series. Because, I mean, we've seen them play the Sixers now three times. Sixers won all three games. Jason Tatum is interesting because he's supposed to be the number one guy. He's supposed to be the go-to man, you know, their their future of their team, and he's supposed to be their big-time scorer. And the last time I came to you guys with the podcast, we looked at a couple of the stats there and saw that Kemba was actually the leading scorer. Not by much, but still the leading scorer. And I think for the Celtics to be taken seriously as a championship contender, Jason Tatum has to be their best player. 
And I'm not saying in the sense that people just, you know, think that, oh, he should be their best player. He's got potential, blah, blah, blah. No, like he has to come out and show he is the best player without a doubt and come out and be the scorer that they need. Because right now, I mean, I've heard it said on a couple other podcasts, uh, I've heard it said by a a, a number of people. Right now, I would say he's, you know, around like peak Rudy Gay with better shot selection. Um, and, and like I said, I've heard people say this. So this That wasn't my direct comparison when I first thought about it. But after hearing it and then kind of analyzing, you know, both players, seeing where they were at, it's a very good comparison. Um I mean, uh, we all remember Rudy Gay. He was, you know, a big-time high flyer and everything, but at the same time could still fill up the stat sheet. But it was for, you know, it, it was a lot of empty stats at the time. I'm not saying Jason Tatum is just putting up empty stats because his team is 26-11 and 11 and they are playing very well. But when it comes to the bigger teams, when it comes to the Bucks, when it comes to the Sixers, um, sometimes even the Raptors, uh, some of the West Coast teams, you know, Jason Tatum isn't, he's not being that guy. He's not the guy that is going to bring them back and, and beat these better teams. Uh, I mean, we've seen a couple of the games against the Sixers. He really hasn't been much of a factor at all. Uh, Kemba was the one who's doing more than him in a, a lot of those games. And Jalen Brown has been even stepping up at times um, and, and really leading the Celtics to a win. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Jason Tatum is like a bad player or anything like that. I'm not saying he's uh, going to suck. Like, we've talked about this as well. Like, is he a superstar? No, I don't think he is. Um, could he be? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, the guy's only 20, what, 22, I think, 23 maybe maybe even younger than that. So he definitely still has the shot. But right now, no, he's not a superstar. It just isn't going to happen. But the team itself, very good team. I still don't think they should trade for Andre Drummond. I think that would be kind of dumb on their part um, because I don't think Andre Drummond is going to satisfy all the needs that they have. Sure, he'll get you some rebounds. He'll be a guy, a putback kind of guy. I mean, he's averaging around like 15 and 14 or 15 and 15 or maybe even 17 and 15, whatever. Um, but I don't think he's the answer for this team. I feel like the answer for this team would be more of a defensive-minded center. It would be someone that's you know can really lock down the paint but can also be a rim runner because you have a lot of guys you can run pick and rolls with. You can run a pick and roll with Kemba. You can run a pick and roll with Jason Tatum, um, even Jalen Brown. And you still have Marcus Smart. I mean, you have capable players in the pick and roll scenario you just need a better rim runner really um so i think a guy you know in that realm would be great for them even like a Dwayne deadman who isn't really playing um he's even voiced his frustration a couple times and you know like i know he's not this all-star center you would bring in like i understand drummond is an all-star and overall yes he's a better player than deadman however i think deadman fits the team more you wouldn't need to trade as much for him either and he's just um like overall i think he would make the team better because he's a better fit um, Drummond on 
on defense for the Celtics, I think, would be sort of a train wreck. I know his steals are up. I know his blocks are up a little bit. I get that and all, but it's just not like I don't see that really I don't see him sustaining that Uh, I think it's going to be a regression to the mean type of thing and with you know facing guys like Joel Embiid more often than he than he is right now I think you're running into an issue there as well because um, I mean the Celtics already can't cover Joel Embiid this season at all now you add to the fact Andre Drummond on the team who Joel Embiid enjoys playing against and enjoys upping his game against that's just double trouble for you so that's not really going to help in that realm either um like I said right now this team is still good like according to Bavada. Uh, their game against the Bulls tomorrow and yes I know the Bulls aren't that great but they're nine and a half point favorites so uh, like the team is still very good and you can count on them winning probably in the 50s um like in terms of amount of wins in the 50s this season but I really don't see them moving past the second round because like I said I don't see them doing well against the upper powers of the Eastern Conference so that takes me to the Sixers here. Um, there's still a lot going on with this team. They, you know, they're up a few games, they're down a few games. They're up one game against an important opponent, and they're down a few games against terrible opponents. But now Joel Embiid is hurt. Um, tore a ligament in his left hand in his ring finger when he dislocated it uh, I mean if you saw the pictures of it it did look kind of gnarly but um, yeah so now he's out he'll be reevaluated in one to two weeks and that's not he'll be back that's he'll be reevaluated so we don't exactly know when he's coming back and um, it's interesting because we have seen the best version of Ben Simmons usually when Joel Embiid is out so now it begs the question are we going to see that Ben Simmons over this extended period of time now remember when they made their playoff push a couple years ago um they when they went on that huge I think it was like a 16 17 game winning streak at the end of the season um that was all with Joel Embiid out that was when he had like the the broken bone in his face after getting hit uh on a on a screen or whatever um and he was out that that whole time and the Sixers went on 116 straight made the playoffs uh everything so I'm curious to see if that will be a similar case now um I mean obviously last night they were up against Dallas and then ended up getting blown out um and really the second half of that game just honestly looked like Dallas was finally like okay we're gonna play now and the Sixers just kind of rolled over and died um it was it was really bad and I mean Luca was doing whatever he wanted this uh, there was a few times that the Sixers just kind of looked lost and didn't know exactly how to play defense and then on on the offensive end they were just trying to throw up any shot they could and it was just awful I mean at one point Tobias Harris did uh, he he crossed over just drove straight to the rim didn't do any other moves and tried to do a layup and got blocked like because he tried to lay up right straight at the defender 
and in the middle of the paint. I, I, I watched it and I think I lost brain cells. Um, but yeah, there's obviously always the question, do Simmons and Embiid fit together on the floor at the same time? And to be honest with you, I think the jury is still out on that question because we have to see them, we have to see them gel at a high level consistently. We've seen it, you know, like I said, we've seen it against some of the the top opponents in the regular season, but I mean, there was plenty of times during the postseason that it didn't really happen. Uh, Ben Simmons is really turning it up on the defensive end this year. Honestly, I think he could be in the running for defensive player of the year. But Joel Embiid, who in the offseason said, you know, he wanted to be an MVP candidate. He wanted to be defensive player of the year. I don't see either of those things happening right now, especially with the fact that, I mean, he's not going to be playing enough games for people to really give him that much consideration on top of the fact that when he is playing, it doesn't look like he's even giving 100% effort. So I just don't see either of those things happening at this point. Um, But right now, uh, as per Bavada, the Sixers are actually plus 140 now to win the division and i mean if you guys have been following the show you you know they've been going up and down like crazy uh for odds to win the the division at one point they were like minus 300 and then they dropped down to like minus two and then minus one and then at one point they were completely even now they're not even the favorites and they're in the pluses so it's interesting um it's also interesting that the Raptors are so far behind them in the odds, too. Um, on Bavada, the Raptors are at plus 400. So it's a little interesting to me that the Raptors would be so far behind when right now they're 25 and 13, the Sixers are 25 and 15. So they just have two less losses. Um, but the Raptors during the regular season have been very, very good. And a lot of the last stretch here for the last like month or so has been without Pascal Siakam. So you bring him back, there's going to be some more wins on top of that. Um, and even, I mean, you bring back guys like Marcus All. Uh, I mean, Abaka um, had a little bit of timeout as well. Uh, you bring back a healthy lineup for Toronto, and I see them definitely vying for second place, let alone first place in the division. Um So it's a little interesting to see them that far behind the Sixers right now. Um, But speaking of Toronto, this team is interesting to say the least. Um, Like I said, there's been a plethora of injuries for them, but the team obviously still has that like fight hard, 100% effort, all sorts of grit and toughness attitude that they've had over the past few seasons, I would say. Um, and that's even with bringing up guys like Chris Boucher, uh, you know, bringing up guys in their quote unquote farm system, if you want to call that now that, you know, the G League is actually like a pretty good uh, test for some of their players. Um, that's pretty much how, you know, this team is getting built. I mean, even Nick Nurse was a coach in the G League beforehand. So it's it's really cool to see how this team is getting to where they're at right now. Um but yeah, it's uh, it it's just an interesting team to watch because 
you never know which night, uh, like you never know which version of the team is going to show up any night. I mean, you could say the same for the Sixers, to be honest with you, but uh, with, with the Raptors, it's much more. I want to say the different the the contrast from low end to high end are much more different because of the difference in skill level. Because with the Raptors, you know, even when they do give a hundred percent effort and all that kind of stuff, their skill level is still very very low compared to the Sixers giving a hundred percent effort. And with the Sixers, even when they don't give that much effort, since they have so much talent their skill level i mean their their uh bottom part of their potential doesn't go that low and that's where the raptors like you know with some of these guys if they're not hitting shots they're not hitting anything and then on the defensive end they're not defending anything so then it just all you know snowballs from there and it's just really rough to watch and as a Raptors fan you want to say like hey yeah I know the season was uh, you know we didn't even expect them to be this good this season but you know it's just tough to watch games like that um and so the Raptors to me I mean it's kind of like Boston where I could see the Raptors doing very well as the regular season goes on I could see them winning like upper 40s right now uh and I could maybe see them winning the first round of the playoffs depending on who they play against like if they played someone like I don't know like the Pacers or someone like that I could see them actually going at least seven games maybe getting the win in that series but then definitely losing the next round like they'll have some fight in them they'll they'll they're definitely going to go out swinging but I just don't see uh even though a lot of those guys yes got to the finals last year won the finals we've all we all know it was mostly Kawhi Leonard so even with the the type of chemistry that a lot of those guys have I don't see that equating to be enough to win a finals or a championship or anything like that and speaking of you know winning a championship and things on Bovada right now I find it very interesting to see that the Sixers still have the fifth best odds to win uh win the title um they're at plus a thousand if it were me, I would not be betting on them right now. And so I think that's a very bold. Um, I think it's very bold of the odds makers to put them at, at that point right now. Um, because, I mean, just as I was saying, the the thing is that the Sixers are in contrast to the Celtics and the Raptors. The Sixers are definitely built for the playoffs they're built to face these these upper teams and you know they definitely play down to their competition and they also play up to their competition so come playoff time yes i I, we've talked about the flipping the switch i could see them doing it i still just don't know if it'll be consistent i don't know if they'll be able to do it over three four different series i mean i could definitely see it first round second round come eastern conference finals I think that's when it starts getting a little iffy. I think that's when we find out if the team is real or not. Um, unless they get knocked out by a team like, 
I don't know. I mean, they didn't look good against Indiana when they faced when they went to Indiana, so that that was kind of a train wreck. Um, and that takes me to this team sucks on the road. The Sixers are not good on the road at all. They are only good at home. So if they continue to just have this kind of mediocre-ish record, be around fourth, fifth seed, and then they have to face those top seeds away from home, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, The Raptors, they also aren't as great on the road, but... To honestly, to me, I I would have a little more confidence in Toronto and Boston to win on the road more than the Sixers because throughout this regular season, we haven't seen them really prove much on the road. They only have one, maybe two losses at home. So out of the 15 losses they have, about 13 or 14 of them are all on the road. That doesn't give anybody any kind of confidence especially if you go into the playoffs as a fifth or fourth seed if you're going to do that you have to be like a a top three seed because you more often than not you have to have that chance to be the home court the the team with the home court advantage um because otherwise you're just sol if you can't if you can't win on the road, it's just not gonna end well. Um, and then finishing up here, um, I mean the Nets, like I said, you know they get uh, Kyrie Irving back. That will be great for them. I honestly don't see him contributing to that many more wins than they're projected for right now. Uh, I think they'll win maybe like two or three more than than what their uh, uh, pace is at. But I don't see them really, you know, all of a sudden taking off the moment Kyrie touches the floor. Because, I mean, we still, when he was playing at an MVP level, we still saw them go like one and four to start the season. It wasn't like he was, he was actually, uh, you know, contributing to many more wins for the team. He was definitely contributing to more points, and he was looking really good as a player. But as far as team wins go, nah, they weren't that great. Um, and, I mean, that's probably why, even with the news of him coming back, on Bavada, the Nets are plus 15,000 to win the division. Um, and if they're 15,000 to just win the division, yeah, that's nothing that means there's like really no chance at them winning the NBA finals. And of course, I don't think people are expecting them to either because, you know, KD is still not there. So um, Brooklyn should be interesting as the week goes on. But um, hey, that's a short episode for me, guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in this week. We should have some, uh, we're working on getting some guests on for next week, so definitely uh, tune in. We should have somebody from, uh, there's a couple a couple different podcasts that I'm reaching out to to see if some guys can jump on. So uh, we'll definitely have some good conversations next week. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.